You're listening to The River Walk, the preaching ministry of Beth River Baptist Church in Winsboro, Louisiana. Today we're wrapping up the book of Ephesians and what is worth fighting for. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy. So if you have a Bible this morning, we're going to look in two passages of Scripture. I'm going to mention more than two, but we're going to look at two specifically. The first in Ephesians chapter 6, and in just a second we're going to look in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Long time ago, seems like forever ago, we started looking through the book of Ephesians. And we started with the end of the book where Paul wrote the Ephesian church and he said, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And this whole sermon series has been over that, getting ready to fight against the devil. And we have walked through the book of Ephesians, going in order through the second half of the book, seeing things that the devil, I believe, comes against very hard, things that he wants to destroy, things that he wants to attack. And we began, and and one of the things I don't think you can deny is first off the church. Paul wrote about the church in detail and how important the church is. And if the church is important to the Christian, if it's important to Jesus, well, it's important to the devil too. So he's going to fight against it very hard. We then talked about the new man, the new woman. And while you may be a new creature in Christ, that does not mean the devil does not stop attacking you as a new creature in Christ. Number three was the father-son or daughter relationship with God and how the devil wants to just hinder that relationship. He doesn't want you to be close with God the Father. We then talked about how important and how special the godly woman, the godly wife, the godly mother is. And we went over that and how the devil just really wants to, to hurt the godly mom, the godly stepmom, the godly woman, the godly wife. And then the last time we talked about Ephesians We talked about the godly man. We talked about how the devil wants to take out godly men and how godly men need to stand up, stand up for Jesus. And I almost stopped it there. I almost wanted that to be the end, but I could not get it out of my mind how probably the most important thing is found in Ephesians chapter 6. So we'll wrap it up this morning. But I think one of the things that are worth fighting for, maybe even above all the rest of the list, And you see it time and time and time again in Scripture, and that's the children. For the children are our future, are they not? All these children here, they will grow up, and hopefully I pray that they'll find Christ, but they will be leaders in our community in some form or fashion. I mean, what is worth fighting for more than our children? And in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, Paul hits on this. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So you see right there, you can't go over the book of Ephesians without hitting on that special passage that Paul mentions. 
Now, if you want to, I'm going to go back to the scripture he referred to, and that's in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I'll talk about that in just a second, but let me just explain to you why I believe the enemy has his sights on the children. First off, it should be very obvious the children are our future. Young children, preteens and teens, he is fighting for the children with every tool at his disposal. And let me just share with you, adults, he has a lot of tools at his disposal. He's got smartphones. He's got the Internet. He has friends. He has TVs. He has Netflix. He has Amazon Prime. All of that stuff is a tool the devil has. And he uses it all to come against your teenager or against your young child so you better believe that, that he is vested in going after the children. If you go look up surveys about church growth and about Christianity, you can look at all kinds of surveys. And the thing is that no matter who does the survey, one fact is absolutely overwhelming. And the truth is, once a person reaches adulthood, accepting Christ becomes very, very rare. Evangelism is most effective in childhood and teenage years. That's not a matter of opinion. That's a matter of fact. And I believe that's why Paul wrote this. In a Barna survey, in the Christians they surveyed, they found that two-thirds of Christians came to faith before age 18. 43% came to Christ before age 12. Less than one-fourth of current believers came to Christ after the age of 21. And listen to this, only about 4.7% of Christians surveyed found Christ after the age of 30. Think about that, what that means for a second. That means your child, I mean, people, I mean, absolutely people do give their life to Christ after age 30. But that means if your child or if somebody you know has not given their life to Christ before age 30... That means there is a 95% chance they will never do so. You better believe the devil wants to hold that decision off. Christian adults, we need to get in the fight. We need to fight for our children. We need to fight for our future. How do we do that? How does the enemy come after our children? Now, I want to go back to Deuteronomy now because you're listening to this. And your first temptation is going to be after you read the Ephesians passage, well, that's not for me. I'm not a father. I'm not a mother. I'm not a grandmother. I, I don't have any relationship with the child whatsoever. There's no children in my house. I'll never be a parent. I'll never be a grandparent. But I want to tell you something. You do have a role in the children's life. So let's go back to the passage that Paul was referring to here, and that's in Deuteronomy chapter 6. The same passage that Jesus referred to about the greatest commandment. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all His statutes and His commandments which I command you, you and your son, and your grandson all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Now look who he's addressing. Therefore hear, O Israel. He's talking to all the people, not just some of the people. And be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your Father has promised you a, a land flowing with milk and honey. 
Once again, he talks to, to the people. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Talking to a whole nation here. You see way, way, way back when in Deuteronomy. Moses and God himself saw the importance of the children. So listen, it starts at home, but you don't have to be a parent to have a role in a child's life. You may or may not have children. You may or may not ever have children, but there are children in your life. You go read the, the epistles to Timothy, and Paul called Timothy his son in the faith. Timothy was not Paul's son, but he had a father-son relationship. And Timothy, he mentioned Timothy's mother and grandmother's role in Timothy's life. In Proverbs 22, 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go and he won't depart from it. All through the Bible, you see the importance of children. If you go read in Luke 18, Jesus did not tell the parents to let the little children come to him. He told the disciples to let the little children come to him. Not the parents, but the disciples. So as a disciple of Christ, if you're here this morning, no matter how old you are, no matter if you have children or not, as a disciple of Christ, you should be doing everything you can to let the children come to Jesus. You read that Luke 18 passage, and here's the very, very truth of the matter. As a Christian, as a Christian, you are one of two things. You are either a stepping stone or a stumbling block for children to come to Jesus. That's just the very truth of the matter. All these children you saw here this morning, all the children you see on Wednesday nights, as a Christian, as an adult, as an older teenager even, one or two things. You're either a stepping stone or a stumbling block for our future. And Paul saw it very important. Moses saw it very important. Solomon saw it very important, and Jesus saw it very important that the children are worth fighting for. So tell them and teach them about Jesus. Model Jesus. Show them that He is important in your life. Show them that Jesus takes priority. Children can't read. Children can't read. It's irresponsible for us to assume that these children will go home and pick up a King James Bible and read the Bible and find Jesus on their own. Oh, but they can watch. And I promise you, they are watching. So let's get in the fight. So how do we fight? How do we fight for the children? I've got three very simple things that every person here can do to fight, to fight for the children. Number one is encourage and understand the children. You know, so many times when it comes to theology and it comes to biblical things, we think the children, it's just, it's too much for the children well, that's the pastor's job. That's the Sunday school teacher's job. They'll learn about that at vacation Bible school. But listen, if there is one thing about being a parent I've learned in the last four years is that children are way smarter than we give them credit for. Listen, if a child can learn his times tables, he can learn simple biblical truths. 
Parent, I want to tell you something. The gospel is nowhere near as complicated as algebra or geometry. I look back at my life, you know, before I was even in grade school, I had the sport of football figured out. I could tell you what the end zone was. I could tell you that a field goal was three points. I could tell you what the quarterback was. I could tell you who the wide receivers was. I had that figured out so very early. Well, listen, if, you, if a child can figure that out before 10 years old, why in the world do we think they can't figure out the gospel? Every moment, every single moment in the lives of your children, in the lives of the children at the church, is a teaching moment. Every single moment. Why do, we, why do we think it's too much for them? And as I think about it and as I pray about it, the one thing that I come up with, and I just, I, I preached a sermon on this not long ago, and I think it's priorities. I think it's priorities. And, and the truth is, as parents, we make our children a priority. We absolutely do. We make our whole lives revolve around the children. When you, when you go to build a house or buy a house, one of the first questions you ask is, what kind of school zone is it in? We, we think about what schools we're going to put them in. We have a vision of where they'll go to college. We have a vision of the kind of person they'll marry. We have a vision of, of the kind of career they'll have. And we make all of that a priority. But when it comes to being a disciple of Jesus, that's on the list, but usually it's not as high as it should be. As a Christian parent, as a Christian grandparent, as a disciple, priority number one, you just read it in Ephesians, should be to raise the children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Listen, Christians, you totally miss the mark. Totally missed the mark when you prioritize ball or school or gymnastics or anything you can think of when you prioritize that over Jesus. More than wanting your child to be the best ball player or to be able to solve a quadratic equation or to be able to get a scholarship or whatever, fill in the blank. Your deepest, deepest desire should be that they become disciples and make disciples of Jesus. Now don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand me this morning. I hope and I pray that I see Jeremiah grow up to be a successful young man in Esther too. I hope they make great grades. I hope they get scholarships. Lord knows I'm not going to be able to afford college. So I'm praying that they'll be successful. I'm praying. I, I can't wait. I hope I get to see them both hit a home run one day. I'd love to see Jeremiah be, be quarterback or something. I have all of that. But deep down, my deepest, deepest desire is for my child and all the children here this morning is that they come to Christ and that they are saved. And if your priorities come above that, it's wrong. You want me to give you an example of how I know that priorities are messed up? I had a conversation with somebody this last week. And, and they said, well, you know, my child, they're, they're just, I can't make them come to church. They're just not interested in coming to church. But listen, you would never, ever, ever say that about your kid going to school. You wouldn't do it. Well, my kid doesn't want to go to school today, so I'm just going to keep him home. I mean, really, would you do that? But when it comes to church, 
when it comes to the most important decision they will ever make in their life. And you know that as a Christian, you're going to say, well, he or she don't want to go tonight, so I'm just going to keep them home. That's mixed up priorities. And let me tell you, the devil absolutely loves it. You would never, ever let your kid miss ball practice. But when it comes to Sunday school, when it comes to Wednesday nights, when it comes to to anything where they'll hear the gospel, well, you know what, honey, I understand you've had a hard, hard week. Let's just stay home today. That's mixed up priorities. And the devil loves it. You might, you may have just sown their eternity. That may have been the service where they heard the gospel and understood it. And I'm telling you, that's, that's dangerous stuff. And maybe they already know Jesus. Maybe they've already made a profession of faith. But maybe that is the service where they say, hey, Jesus is going to be king. Maybe that is the service where they commit their very lives to serving Jesus. Maybe that's the service where they surrender to ministry. So I just want to tell you, church, and as Christian parents, I know we get busy and I know there's a lot on the plate. But if we don't get our priorities right, all these children will, will go on and do their own thing. I read another survey. They, they say today that it takes two Christian families to keep one child in the faith in the future. We could change that if we would just change our priorities. But talk, talk is only so good. The old phrase is that talk is cheap. Because the truth is, I can tell my children anything. I could tell all the children here anything, and you can too. But what are they seeing in your life? I've learned that by watching the children. They learn more by watching than by teaching. So number three is to model. What's important to you will most likely be important for your children. Here's the truth. My parents could not make that decision for me to accept Jesus. And the sad truth, I wish I could. I can't, I can't make these children, I can't make my own children accept Jesus as their Savior. I can't do it. That's only their choice. But I can model for them. When I look back at my own life, I know that I know that I know that Jesus was important to my parents, not because they said it, but because I saw it. There was no question whatsoever where we would be on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights. And notice, I didn't say where I would be. I said where we would be. There was no question on Sunday mornings for Sunday school, Sunday mornings for worship. Back then, Sunday nights for discipleship training, Sunday nights for worship. Wednesday nights, be it for RAs or youth groups or for Bible study, whatever it was, that's where we would be. I, I know it, I saw it, and I saw in them that it was not ritualistic. It was important to them. Because it was important to them, it became important to me. I've seen my mother, I've seen my father at the altar in tears. And sure, they told me. Sure, they read the Bible to me. Sure, they explained the gospel to me. But the greatest effect that they had on my life was showing me. My question to you this morning, not even as a parent, but as a church member, what are the children seeing in you? This whole book, this whole book of Ephesians we've been reading 
about what's important and what's worth fighting for? Are they seeing a Christian that, that church is important to them? Are they seeing a Christian that's fighting for a new man or a new woman? Are they seeing a Christian that's trying to have a close relationship with God? Are they seeing somebody as a godly wife or a godly mother? Are they seeing a godly father or a godly husband? It's all about modeling. It's about living it out. It's about walking the walk and not just talking the talk. What are the children seeing in you? Let me just ask you a question this morning. Some of you may not know, but I imagine the majority of you probably do know. What are the children seeing in the world? When your teen or when your preteen gets on their smartphone, when they look at Instagram, when they look at Snapchat, when they look at Facebook, they're looking at models from all over the world, not just here in Louisiana. I mean, when I, when I log on, I see people overseas, and I see people I agree with, people I disagree with, but I see it, and I see things model. And your children see it too. They're seeing a world that loves, that absolutely loves sin. They, they love relationships that are inappropriate. They love, I mean, you see people like these hateful posts about being divorced. You see people that, that love all sorts of things. They see a world that refuses to acknowledge that sin even exists or that it's a problem. They see a world that loves money, that absolutely loves money instead of loving God. They see a, a world that loves pleasure, that absolutely loves pleasure. You see people taking selfies with, with all sorts of things, loving pleasure so much that it comes at the expense of their bodies and at the expense of people they love. Your children are seeing that modeled. I guarantee you they'll probably see it before the sun goes down tonight. They see a complete and total opposite of everything else we've read in the book of Ephesians. Listen, they should see a difference in this church and they should see a difference in you. It all, it, it all comes down to one simple question. Are you a stepping stone? Are you a stumbling block to the children? To not invest, to not care about the lives of the children is to not care about the future. And it's totally ignoring what Jesus said. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. I think it's so telling. I think it's so telling that the disciples were holding the children back. Isn't that what we do as Christians so many times? Maybe we don't mean to. Maybe we're not thinking about it. But so many times we hold the children back. No, no, let, no, let Jesus handle this is adult stuff. This is too much for you. But listen, it's not too much for them. Are you part of the problem or part of the solution? As we get ready to... In the book of Ephesians, it'll probably be a long time before I go back through it. But I just want to end this morning by just going over simply what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6. This is what it's all been down. And I, I want to encourage you to, to remember when you read this book. Remember that it wasn't originally written when Paul wrote the letter. He didn't put chapter and verse. I think that's important to remember. He wrote it all as one letter. 
He wrote it all. He wrote about the church. He wrote about the new man. He wrote about salvation. He wrote about grace. He wrote about works. He wrote about all that stuff. And he just writes how important he is. He writes about the family. He writes about mom and dad. He writes about the children. And then he closes it by saying, hey, this is a fight. This is a fight. So father, so mother, so children, so brother, so sister, so church member. Ephesians 6, 11, get up, get up and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. I've told you how the devil comes against you. So take it up and be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done everything you possibly can to stand. Verse 14. So stand. Stand, Christians. Have, your, have girded your waist with truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. You were an old creature. Now you're a new creature. You have power Power, wonder-working power. Stand up. Stop living defeated. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You don't have to make an angry Facebook post. You don't have to wave your fist. You have the gospel. You have Jesus. You have everything you need. Stop taking the mess from the devil and start taking it to him on his own ground. The devil is not going to come against me. He's not going to come against my church. He's not going to come against these children. He's not going to come against me as a new man. He's not going to come against me as a husband. And he is not going to come against me or my family or my wife because I am doing everything I can to stand. So church, stand, stand, stand. Stop taking it. Stop letting him win the battle against your children. Stop it. He cannot win if you don't let him win. I'm so tired of wimpy Christians. That's what this whole series has been about. You wake up as a man, you decide to stay home on Sunday morning, that's like giving the devil a victory. You keep your children home on Wednesday, that's giving the devil a victory. COVID can't win against the devil. Bad doctrine can't win against the devil. Only the devil can win when you give him something. So here is the passage. Read it. Read this every single day of your life. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of salvation. It's the word of God. Praying always with prayer and supplication in the spirit. Be watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Every day, take it up. Take it up and fight. It is a fight. But it is a fight worth having. The devil's not going to win against me. So what's your choice this morning? Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you understood it. I hope you know that our future, our children are worth fighting for. Hope you guys have a wonderful week.